on October 1st, 2017, at approximately 10 p.m., 64-year-old Stephen Paddock used a hammer-like implement to smash two windows in his 32nd floor suite of the Mandalay Bay Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Outside the smashed windows, a crowd of approximately 22,000 had gathered for the Route 91 Harvest Country Music Festival. Inside were several gun tripods, 23 different firearms, some with scopes, others with bump stock devices, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. Bump stocks are legal accessories that allow semi-automatic weapons to fire at rates approaching that of fully automatic weapons. At 10.08 p.m., Las Vegas police reported receiving the first call of shots fired at the Country Music Festival, and 72 minutes later, Paddock was found dead in his room by the responding SWAT team. During those 72 minutes, 59 people were murdered, 527 were injured, and the lives of thousands were irreparably damaged forever as a result of the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history. Only goes to show when seconds count, the police are almost an hour and a quarter away. Here are America's deadliest mass shootings by number of people killed. Modern era Las Vegas, 2017-59. Pulse Nightclub, 2016-49. Virginia Tech, 2007-32. I remember doing the video for that too. Newton School, 2012-27. Luby's Massacre, 1991-23. San Cedro McDonald, 1984-21, Austin, Texas, 1966-16, U.S. Postal Service, 1986-15, San Bernardino, 2015-14, and Fort Hood, 2009-13. According to witness Mike Kronk, kind of sounded like some fireworks going off. I think there was the first kind of volley, and then all of the second, all of the sudden second volley, my buddy's like, I just got hit, you know. He got hit three times, then people started diving for the ground. It was pretty much chaotic. Lots of people got hit. Witness Jasmine Barbuska said, All you heard were just gunshots, and every time the gunshots would come down, you'd just start getting to the ground. There were men going over their wives, their girlfriends, to block them. Unfortunately, those men got shot, but I mean, there were lives saved. Witness Brian Claypool said, the hardest for me was I saw six young women. They were maybe 20, 22. They were all crying on the ground. I was trying to be calm. I thought about the Orlando shooting because we were in this room. We didn't know where the shooter was. We thought he was going to jump the fence and come in this room and shoot us all. I'm thinking, am I going to die in this room? Witness Lisa Shao said, I just kept thinking to myself, this isn't real. This is not happening. This is not real. I just kept thinking that over and over, and it was. It is reported that Paddock engaged with a security guard prior to the arrival of the SWAT team, shooting him in the leg through a doorway. Paddock then killed himself prior to police entry. I don't know. Maybe the security guards are not armed. What are they making? 13, 14, 15 bucks an hour? It's a lot to ask. Despite rumors and speculation, police note that there is no information or evidence to suggest that more than one shooter was involved. And you'll see this sort of stuff online. There were multiple shooters, but it's an echoey place. Sound's going to bounce around. Ooh, there was a muzzle flash from the fourth window, but Las Vegas is like the city of glass 
and mirrors, right? A, a car signal could turn, somebody could take a picture, the light could bounce around. Could be the muzzle flash from higher up bouncing around. I don't know. Several pounds of ammonium nitrate, a type of fertilizer used to make explosives and made famous during the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, were found in Paddock's parked vehicle at the hotel. Makes you wonder. It's not enough to do any particular kind of damage, but what happened to the rest of it? Where is it and what was it used for? At Paddock's Mesquite home, 19 additional firearms, explosives, electronic devices, and additional military-grade ammunition were found. So a little over an hour out of Vegas, but he did stay in Vegas. He was kind of a high roller of the gambling scene. He did stay in Vegas uh, for a lot of time from time to time. Since Paddock checked into Mandalay Bay on September 28th, several employees who had been in and out of the suite did not notice anything that would raise suspicion. Uh, People are asking, well, how could he get all this weaponry into a hotel? Well, you put it in your luggage. It's not an airport. Using his alleged girlfriend Marilou Danley's ID to check into the hotel, Paddock used 10 suitcases to transport his weaponry. Marilou Danley has been described as both Paddock's girlfriend and or roommate and quickly became a person of interest. Police eventually located Danley in the Philippines, where she has been for two weeks. And detectives, quote, do not believe she is involved with the shooting. Come on, guys, how do you know? How could you possibly know that? As far as I know, there's not even been a formal interview of this woman even remotely. How could you possibly know that she was out of town when this went down? It was later claimed that Dan Lee is currently located in Tokyo, Japan. Now, there is an extradition treaty between the U.S. and the Philippines. Why not get her to come back and answer some questions? I know she, I don't know what you can charge her with or whether you can get her back for intensive questioning. I, I don't know, but... It would seem to me to be job one to figure out what was going on in the home. Did she know all of these weapons were coming into the home? She lived there. Did she have any idea what was going on? Did he have any signs? Did he have any motives? You would want to talk to this woman. Maybe he's part of a network. Maybe she knows something. I don't know. Police have reported that Paddock had no criminal history except for a minor citation. NBC contradicted that widely accepted reporting by claiming Paddock was, quote, known to local law enforcement. But further details are not available. With a reported net worth of more than $2 million, Paddock doesn't fit the profile of the usual mass shooter. An accountant by trade, including a brief stint working for defense contractor Lockheed Martin, Paddock reportedly made his fortune through real estate deals, property management, and an undisclosed business. So this idea, you see, that poverty breeds crime, well, there are some challenges to the theory. Crime breeding poverty, on the other hand, well... Paddock also had an Alaskan hunting license and a private pilot's license and owned two planes, but his medical certification was not up to date and thus he would not have been able to legally fly. According to court records, Paddock had been married and divorced twice. His first marriage lasted two years from 1977 to 79, with him remarrying in 1985 and divorcing again in 1990, citing irreconcilable differences after four years of marriage. As a divorced retiree, Paddock had no children and plenty of money to play with, so he took up traveling and gambling. According to multiple currency transaction reports, Paddock was a serious gambler, at times gambling $10,000 to $30,000 per day at Las Vegas casinos. Now, that of course doesn't mean he lost that amount of money, that's just the amount of money that was churning or was in play. Investigators have started an investigation into Paddock's gambling habits in their search to uncover a possible motive. I remain skeptical of that 
I don't know what the logical chain is between, I don't know, I have gambling debts, although he seemed to have lots of money. I have gambling debts, so let's shoot up a music festival. According to Paddock's brother, Eric Paddock, quote, It's like a job for him. It's a job where you make money. He was at the hotel for four months one time. It was like a second home. It had to be the right machine with double points, and there has to be a contest going on. He won a car one time. He's known. He's a top player. He's the small end of the big fish. So we're not talking Ben Affleck territory, but he was definitely a player of some kind. In 2012, Paddock filed a lawsuit against cosmopolitan hotels and resorts, citing negligence, premises, liability, but it was dismissed with prejudice in late 2014. No further details are available. While there has been fierce speculation as to Stephen Paddock's motive in committing the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history, authorities have yet to provide answers. Former FBI hostage negotiator and behavioral science unit supervisor Clint Van Zandt just wanted to point out that is a perfect name for the job. He said, My challenge is I don't see any of the classic indicators so far that would suggest, okay, he's on the road either to suicide or homicide or both. He knew what he wanted to do. He knew how he was going to do it, and it doesn't seem like he had any kind of escape plan at all. And this is important when it comes to dealing with these kinds of issues. We want to try and look at root causes, as I talked about in my previous video on this subject. We want to look at root causes, what happens early in life that might lead people down this path. Because playing whack-a-mole and trying to deal with symptoms, this guy, his, this is, his whole expertise is to try to figure out how people or why people do this, who's on this path. He doesn't have a clue. Las Vegas Sheriff Joe Lombardo said, I can't get into the mind of a psychopath at this point. Photos of a man vaguely resembling Paddock at an anti-Trump rally in Reno, Nevada have circulated online, but no evidence exists to suggest that they are the same person or that the shooter was politically active. Allegations that the suspect's social media accounts indicated a support for various liberal media pundits are also incorrect. The claims that Antifa propaganda was found in Paddock's suite are currently unsubstantiated. An unidentified woman told local news in Las Vegas that a short Hispanic woman was escorted out of the concert 45 minutes before the shooting. Quote, She'd been messing with a lady in front of her and telling her she was going to die, that we were all going to die. They escorted her out to make her stop messing around with all the other people, but none of us knew it was going to be serious. Contemporary Services Corporation was handling security for the event, and chairman slash CEO Damon Zumwalt later told BuzzFeed that this was a false report. I'm not sure what that means. I'm just telling you what was said. Islamic State news agency Amak claimed that Paddock had, quote, converted to Islam a few months ago, end quote, and that the Las Vegas attack was carried out by a soldier of the Islamic State, and he carried it out in response to calls to target states of the coalition. That is the coalition, of course, engaged in attacking ISIS at the moment. While the Islamic State is not typically known to claim responsibility for non-affiliated lone wolf attacks, it is not unprecedented. ISIS did claim responsibility for the Manila casino shooting in June 2017 that left 37 dead, but investigators did not link the incident to any terror group. Journalist Graham Wood has said, The idea that the Islamic State simply scans the news in search of mass killings then sends out press releases in hope of stealing glory is false. Amak may learn details of the attacks from mainstream media and often gets those details wrong, also like mainstream media, but its claim of credit typically flows from an Amak-specific source. Site Intelligence Group Director Rita Katz said, We have not been able to find a real lie from ISIS. Despite the fact that they are a terrorist organization, they want to provide their followers and supporters with authentic 
information. I guess they'd never say if you like your plan, you could keep your plan. It's good to know they have standards. Federal Bureau of Investigation Special Agent Aaron Rouse said, We have determined, to this point, no connection to an international terrorist group. I, I am suspicious, to be honest, of the wording of this. You could say we've not been able to establish anything, but the way this is phrased makes it sound a lot more definitive than it is. This happened within hours of this attack. Did they go through all of his electronic devices? Are they not encrypted? Are they not password protected? Did they, have they interviewed people? If he doesn't have a strong social media presence, you have to go boots to the ground. You have to go door to door. You have to follow the patterns. You haven't even interviewed his living girlfriend slash roommate. But you know. That to me is very obfuscatory language, to put it mildly. Now, the Islamic State has doubled down on their claim referring to Paddock as Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Stephen Paddock. This is a bit about his history. He was the oldest of four boys, with Eric being eight years younger and Bruce and Patrick born in between. In July 1960, Paddock's father, Benjamin Hoskins Paddock, was accused of stealing approximately $25,000, the equivalent of $165,000 today, from three Phoenix banks and had a criminal record dating back to 1946. According to NBC News, quote, An archived newspaper article from the Arizona Republic on October 6, 1960, described Benjamin Hoskins Paddock as a three-time bank robber. The paper detailed how the 34-year-old attempted to run an agent over with his 1960 Pontiac before having a bullet shot through his window. After the bullet pierced his vehicle, he surrendered to authorities. According to then-neighbor Eva Price, We're trying to keep Steve from knowing his father is held as a bank robber. I hardly know the family, but Steve is a nice boy. It's a terrible thing. Eric Paddock grew up thinking their father was already dead, only finding out he was alive when Patrick went to the Air Force Academy, and it was discovered that their father was a decorated veteran and still alive. According to brother Eric Paddock, We didn't grow up under his influence. I was born on the run in Tucson. My dad was about to be arrested for robbing banks. So the mom had four children with a psychopathic bank robber, a serial con man, Good job, Mom. Way to pick. The father for your children. Well, she got away with everything. We'll see about that. On January 5th, 1961, Paddock Sr. was sentenced to 20 years in prison for bank robbery, automobile larceny, and confidence game. On December 31st, 1968, Paddock escaped to the Federal Correction Institution in Latuna, Texas, thus giving rise, many decades later, to MKUltra theories. After escaping from prison, Paddock was placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted list from 1969 to 1977. And the agency warned that he was, quote, diagnosed as psychopathic and, quote, reportedly has suicidal tendencies and should be considered armed and dangerous. FBI, June 1969. Paddock is known as Chrome Dome because of a practice of completely shaving his head. The agency reported he is an avid bridge player and smokes both cigars and cigarettes. They said he eats expensive steak dinners and is a frequent gambler. But enough about genetics. After escaping, Paddock robbed a San Francisco bank and moved to the Eugene Springfield area where he became a bingo parlor manager and lived under a fake identity until he was arrested in 1978. Shockingly, Paddock was paroled only a year later and returned to his bingo business. So just look at this. Just astonishing. 1961, he's sentenced to 20 years. That would kick him out in 1981. He's arrested in 1978 and paroled a year later. He served less time 
for escaping and robbing another bank than if he'd just stayed in prison. The system is mad sometimes. In 1987, Paddock Sr. faced seven racketeering charges related to his bingo business and additional charges involving rolling back car odometers. Ultimately, the civil racketeering charges were settled for $623,000. Paddock pleaded no contest to the odometer situation, claimed to have cancer, and the judge decided to let him off with a $100,000 fine and no jail time. I got to tell you this, the man is known to be a con man, and I got to tell you, if you can con a judge by saying you have cancer, didn't really seem to have cancer, lived for quite some time after. But if you can con a judge into letting you off when the judge already knows you're a con man, you're terrifyingly good at your job. Circuit Judge George Woodrich said, He could be conning everybody, but this is an economic crime and he's an old man. My view is let him go and good riddance. Right. Let him go into a community where I don't live. I bet you I'm in a gated community. I'm totally safe. Let the criminal go. He won't end up living anywhere near me or my kids. His girlfriend. <sighs> How do you raise your sexual market value in some places? Yeah, rob a bank. Be on the run. Be a con man. Be a psychopath. Be suicidal. And the ladies will flock. Good job, ladies. Your loins are tingle in putting a lather log on the fire that's burning down the world. Girlfriend, Laurel Paulson said, I always felt... (sighs) Felt. Not just a soft fabric, it's the end of us all. I always felt he spent his whole life trying to atone for his past. He really was an absolute soft touch and often gave away money when he didn't have a lot. He was a man that people either loved or hated. He always said he was a dinosaur. Yeah, Laurel, that means cold-blooded. You know that, right? So this woman likes him because he gives money away. I wonder if he gave any to her. I wonder what that might mean. (sighs) Paddock died in January 1998. At 77 years old. It's 11 years after he claimed to have cancer. Just saying. According to brother Eric Paddock, regarding the shooter, back to the shooter here. He said, he's my brother. We don't have a very close relationship, but we talk occasionally. There's no rhyme or reason here. It makes no sense. When you get a phone call that says your brother just killed a bunch of people, this is not... We're shocked, horrified, completely dumbfounded about this. There's absolutely no way... I could conceive that my brother would shoot a bunch of people that he didn't know. Oh, man. (laughs) Let me just break character here for a second. There's no way my brother would shoot a bunch of people that he didn't know? Oh, oh, so if he knew them? I can't believe that Stephen was without friends. He went on to say, something just incredibly wrong happened to my brother. He was just a guy. Something happened. He snapped or something. He was just a guy. He has no political affiliation, no religious affiliation, as far as we know. This wasn't a terror attack. He's not an avid gun guy at all. The fact that he had those kinds of weapons is just, where the hell did he get automatic weapons? He doesn't have a military background or anything like that. When you find out about him, like I said, he's just a guy who lived in Mesquite, who drove down and gambled in Las Vegas, and he, he did stuff, eat, eat burritos. And When asked if Marilou Danley was his brother's girlfriend, he said, yes, Marilou, that's... 
Why I was on the phone with the cops, we were worried he might have hurt her too. They might have got married, but I, I don't think they are married. It's just his girlfriend. So this guy says, yeah, yeah, no political or religious affiliations, but he doesn't even know if his brother's married or not. It's not close. Come on. He said uh, regarding Marilou, she has nothing to do with this, at least from my perspective. Our family is okay. We're sitting in here in our house hoping that everyone doesn't attack us. My mother is 90 years old, lives down the street from me. We're just completely dumbfounded. You can imagine how this is affecting her. Ah, white knighting. So the woman who had a bunch of children with a psychopath, well, is much loved by her children. I'm sure that doesn't warp values or morals at all. The brother said, if you told me an asteroid fell into Earth, it would mean the same to me. Chilly, he went on to say. There's absolutely no sense, no reason he did this. He's just a guy who played video poker and took cruises and ate burritos at Taco Bell. There's no political affiliation that we know of. There's no religious affiliation that we know of. But you don't even know if he's married. President Donald Trump ordered the flags on all federal buildings to fly at half-staff following the mass shooting and held a moment of silence on the White House lawn. In positive news, blood banks received so many donations that they were even encouraging would-be donors to delay their visits due to the abundance of supply. In not-so-positive news, there is the reaction of many people. Jimmy Kimmel said, They should be praying for God to forgive them for letting the gun lobby run this country. There are a lot of things we could do about it, but we don't, which is interesting because when someone with a beard attacks us, we tap phones, we invoke travel bans, we build walls. We take every possible precaution to make sure it doesn't happen again. But when an American buys a gun and kills other Americans, then there's nothing we can do about that. Build walls? Jimmy, I don't think you've been paying attention. There's barely even prototypes at the moment. Now, if you take in more... Middle Eastern immigrants after 9-11 than before, I'm not sure every conceivable precaution is being taken. Just putting that out there. And this is the thing, too. When, as you point out, Jimmy, a man with a beard attacks, as in the Pulse nightclub, what happens? Well, the liberals say, or the left says, well, we have to continue as we did before and nothing should change. And when people throw acid uh, and, and blow people up and drive trucks through Christmas... Crowds in Europe, everyone says, we can't let this affect our way of life. We must change nothing. But a semi-ancient, lunatic, evil man shoots and suddenly it's all about gun control. Because he's white. Come on, let's be honest. We know what it is. Richard Dawkins said, now, the man's had a stroke. So, a tiny bit of leeway maybe. He tweeted this. Durn tootin', great shootin'. Cool dude. Certain he's Second Amendment rights. Hell yeah. Every country has its psychopaths. In U.S., they have guns. <sighs> I don't know. Richard Dawkins doesn't like guns, but I'm not sure where he feels a good portion of his salary came from when he was working for a state-funded university and how that money was collected. They don't ask. Just putting it out there. Senator Ben... Carton said, We must act. Automatic weapons aren't needed to hunt deer or ducks. They're meant to kill people, and they do far too often in this country. Huh. Ben, I wonder, just, you know, perhaps you could answer me this in the comments below. If you say they do as far too often, 
what is the right amount of often? Just wondering. Joe Biden said, appalled by the census loss of life in Las Vegas. Jill and I hold all these affected and grieving in our hearts. How long do we let gun violence tear families apart? Enough. Congress and the White House should act now to save lives. There's no excuse for inaction. Yeah, it's hard to go to the government when people are well-armed, isn't it, Joe? It's a, it's a bit of a challenge. Eh, the left love no-fault divorce. They love these uh, family-shredding divorce courts. Uh, I wonder if they were concerned that uh, Hillary tore families apart by destroying Middle Eastern countries on a regular basis. Eh. But now it's all about the families. You know, when you put the welfare state in, liberals, the black family was pretty much destroyed. Do you feel like getting rid of the welfare state so the black family can reintegrate and heal itself? No. You don't care about families. You care about power. Guns are in the way. I get it. Ben Rhodes said, We have spent trillions of dollars fighting wars to prevent acts of terrorism. We could save far more lives with rational gun restrictions. Democracy for America said, and um, I'm sorry to repeat this, but this is what they said. They said, The NRA is unrepentant. They and their allies in Congress don't think there's anything wrong with what happened in Las Vegas last night. Got to read that again. They said, they and their allies in Congress don't think there's anything wrong with what happened in Las Vegas last night. In fact, they are doubling down in support of laws that enable white men like Stephen Paddock to use guns to terrorize their families and communities. Right. There's been a lot of this floating around. Ah, more in danger from white terrorists than from Muslim terrorists. Well, uh, only if you start the clock on September 12th, 2001. If you take out 9-11, well... See, now, this is interesting. By bringing race into this, fascinating. A lot of the liberals are bringing race into this. He's white, he's white, he's white. There's a crime, there's a crime, there's a crime. Wow. That is a pretty interesting opening, and I appreciate the opportunity. I really think we should sit down and talk about correlations between race and crime. That would be quite fascinating. You guys have opened the door. All that happens now is the data walks through. Hillary Clinton said, Las Vegas, we are grieving with you, the victims, those who lost loved ones, the responders, and all affected by this cold-blooded massacre. The crowd fled at the sound of gunshots. Imagine the deaths if the shooter had a silencer, which the NRA wants to make easier to get. Our grief isn't enough. We can and must put politics aside, stand up to the NRA, and work together to try to stop this from happening again. I don't... I don't even know what to say. I can make a Jackie Chan face. Or... We must put politics aside and stand up to the NRA. It's the same sentence. The karma doesn't make it a different planet. It's the same sentence. They don't even notice. Let's go north-south. Now, Clinton is vaguely referring to the Hearing Protection Act sponsored by South Carolina Representative Jeff Duncan, which would allow for more individuals to purchase silencers protecting the hearing of avid shooters. The failed presidential candidate's assumption that the use of silencers could have made the Las Vegas shooting worse have been rebutted by mainstream outlets and all with cursory knowledge of the technology. Washington Post said, Clinton and others appear to be assuming that silences, or suppressors as they're known in the industry, work the way that they do in the movies. Screw a little barrel on the end of your pistol and you can run through enemy headquarters picking off bad guys with no more audio footprint than a little zip, you know. 
Asymmetric Solutions Firearm Training Firm Director of Development, Thomas Satterley, said, A suppressor wouldn't have stopped anyone from doing what they did and definitely wouldn't have hidden the noise of the gunfire. Back in the day, when we had silencers, you could screw a brand new silencer on a weapon and maybe the first two rounds were really suppressed. Once you shoot the baffles out, the sound is almost the same. I can definitely say it wouldn't have changed anything. It wouldn't have hidden the sound enough. Again, that's just Hollywood. Now, of course, other outlets have pointed out that the suppressor would just melt with high-volume firing and it would prove useless. So, this could have been your president, folks. See, I try not to make massive pronouncements on, say, the best way to perform open-heart surgery because I don't really know anything about open-heart surgery. But nothing spells Dunning-Kruger like confident pronouncements about things you know nothing about. Now, Fully automatic weapons, gun control. Here's a little brief primer for those who seem confused by the issue or susceptible to liberal propaganda. Under the National Firearms Act, it is currently in the United States illegal for any private civilian to own fully automatic weapons manufactured after May 19, 1986. According to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, It is even legal to make replacement parts for pre-1986 machine guns. Quote, There is no exception allowing for the lawful production, transfer, possession, or use of a post-May 18, 1986 machine gun receiver as a replacement receiver on a weapon produced prior to May 19, 1986. So, these are kind of old weapons now, decades and decades old. No replacement parts. They're collector's items. They're under glass, I would assume, For the most part, uh, they are um, Bugsy Malone-style guns. Now, the process involved in even obtaining a pre-1986 machine gun is incredibly extensive, costly, time-consuming, and the weapons themselves are typically well north of $10,000 in cost to buy. The Federalist co-founder Sean Davis has said, Fully automatic weapons are highly regulated under both federal and state law. Only licensed entities are permitted to manufacture, sell, or own them. Private civilian ownership of machine guns is illegal unless the individual has been explicitly permitted by the federal ATF to own them. All fully automatic weapons must be registered with the federal government in a central registry with no exceptions. A special tax is levied on all NFA items, machine guns, suppressors, short-barreled rifles, short-barreled shotguns, and destructive devices with no exceptions. So, if this guy modified, if he got it some other way, the law did not prevent him. So, more laws is a fool's response to a situation where the law has already been broken. And also, when you're talking about gun control, you're talking about things being illegal and that suppressing actions. Here's a little hint. If you're on an upper floor of a hotel, and casino, and you are setting your sights down on 22,000 people crammed into a music festival, and you are pouring round after round of hot lead from the skies down into their fragile, defenseless, and helpless bodies. You're already committing an illegal act. Forget gun control. You know what's illegal? Murder. Mass murder. And that did not stop him. 
The law did not stop him. You understand the point here? Now, just before I get to my conclusion, I just wanted to point out this came up just after I finished the recording. Las Vegas shooter Stephen Paddock wired $100,000 to an account in his live-in girlfriend slash friend's home country, the Philippines, in the week before he committed this shooting. What does that mean? It seems to me she's a little bit more than a roommate, if that's the case. Maybe the money's going to some other entity uh, in the Philippines. Uh, It's hard, of course, at this point to come to any conclusions. So the officials, of course, have confirmed that Marilu Danley, this perhaps girlfriend, was in the Philippines on the Sunday when he shot up the crowd. It does. It's not known at this time whether the money was for her or her family or another purpose or another organization. Uh, that does show a pretty strong tie. What does it back up? What does it prove? I don't know as yet, but I thought the information should be in your mind. So. Gun control, of course, is raising its ugly head. Now, I've got a whole presentation, The Truth About Gun Control. We'll link to it below. You really should check it out. But there is no such thing as gun control. Gun control is a magic phrase invented to hide the truth. Here's the reality. I said this years ago. I'm going to say it again verbatim. If you are for gun control, then you are not against guns. Because the guns will be needed to disarm people. So it's not that you're anti-gun. You'll need the police's guns to take away other people's guns. So you're very pro-gun. You just believe that only the government, which is, of course, so reliable, honest, moral, and virtuous, should be allowed to have guns. There is no such thing as gun control. There is only centralizing gun ownership in the hands of a small political elite and their minions. The idea that more guns equals more crime, it's it's like an IQ test. It's like an intelligence test. You just have to look up a basic chart. Per capita, gun murders in the U.S. are far lower than many other countries. And gun ownership since the 1990s has been going up significantly in the United States and up until the Ferguson effect driven by the liberal media, violent crime was going down. Gun ownership going up. Violent crime going down. Now, that is reversed as a result of Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot, race-baiting narrative of the mainstream media, which actually started earlier, started all the way back with Rodney King and uh, escalated, of course, in a variety of other incidents that Trayvon Martin included. So, this is an important thing to understand. You cannot continue to escalate control over the citizenry and deal with all of these issues and their root causes. I don't know what the root cause is. This still remains to be examined. Let's say he was programmed by ISIS. Let's say he was done... Who knows? Maybe the Antifa thing... I don't know. But I will say this, which I have said before. Whatever he did and whyever he did it, his childhood did not help. I'll tell you one other thing. The psychopathic, con man, armed robbery father was rightly recognized as immoral and evil. The mother who had children after children after children with this man 
seems to be honored and venerated in her old age. That is a disparity which is not healthy, in my view, at all. Uh, lack of moral clarity uh, regarding women, regarding male disposability, all these men draping themselves on unknown women's bodies and getting themselves shot up. I don't see any particular feminist academics pointing out how cowardly the women were that they should have been draping themselves on men's bodies because otherwise they're just tools of the patriarchy. It's not going to happen. Less equality in protecting other people. What was the one guy is like, oh, I'm Scott strategize. Is the guy coming in? What's going on? What are the what are the women doing? They're curled up on the ground crying. Or another guy strategizing, finger, well, where's the guy coming from? You see the guy giving the finger, trying to figure out holding the beer. Cassandra don't. He he's giving the finger to the shooter. And what's the woman doing? One of the reported women is standing there with her hands. I assume metaphorically over her ears, maybe for real, saying, this is not real, this is not real, this is not real, this is not happening. Not helpful. The answer to violence is the improvement of childhood. The answer to violence is the improvement of childhood. A comment was made on the video that I put out about this yesterday. It struck me. I'm paraphrasing. And a guy wrote and said, I was a corrections officer in the 70s and the 80s. And I was responsible for reading the letters that the prisoners wrote, make sure that they weren't coded signals for criminal activity or something. And I'll never forget, I wrote, I read one letter that a criminal wrote to his mother. And he said, I wouldn't even be here if you'd lifted a finger to stop dad and his friends raping me throughout my childhood. Male evil is pretty clear and visible and evident to us. It is the sun in the sky. Can't miss it. Female evil, female collusion with evil, female breeding with evil. It's a little bit like the moon behind a tree, a little harder to see. We must see it. We must hold women accountable for their reproductive decisions. It does not make them criminal but it makes them the enablers and the breeders of criminals. And since personality has significantly genetic elements, reproduction with evil can be a form of civilization ending bioweaponry that only the women fundamentally can control.